Good morning, dear class. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Because, also, because it is 10 o'clock, but also, um, we just leave these pretty pictures on. I need pretty. Do you need pretty? I need, Gail, so good to see you. Um, no, I don't. I don't feel pretty at all. <laughs> I feel just the opposite. Um, but I have a number of cards going around. Let me give you a review of the cards because then that can also be transferred if it needs to be on your prayer sheet for class. Um, first of all, Joe and Betty Mark. Our dear Joe, Evangelist Joe, looks like he's going to be going to heaven next week. He's in the hospital now. He's filled with cancer. Um, it's, it's a really sad scenario, Betty. They have no one. Um, but please lift up Joe and Betty. There's a card going around. And then also Lou Goodrich. Many of you know Lou Goodrich. And um, she is such a, a good, faithful lady, of course. She always was always here pre-COVID. Now she can't be here. But her grandson went to heaven because of COVID. And then her other grandson is gravely ill. There's a card going around for you to sign for Lou. Tim and Diane, an enormous answer to prayer. Tim, again, was at death's door, and God miraculously touched his body. And I said, Tim, there's just a whole lot more that God has for you to do. They, will, they are cleared for traveling. They are probably going to have to come home with a special plane. What's up? He did. Okay. Yep, thank you. There is a card going. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay, so put that down. Tim, of course, is uh, he's right on under continued prayers, so put that down and just lift him up all day long on that. And then, well, speak. I was just going to say Clint. My Clint cannot get over a bad case of, thank you, pal, of um, plantar fasciitis is what he's dealing with. And... Yeah, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for Clint to, to get better. And Clint, after church, we're gonna see Mrs. Keller, and she's gonna look at your foot too. Okay, alrighty, great. All right, thank you for the water. And he's had it before, but he is just not getting over it. And then just a couple other odd things. So please pray for Clint. Then our Paulette. Paulette's over there by Kathy. She has thyroid cancer, and um, she will be dealing with that. Uh, she has an appointment the middle of October and the end of October. There, the biopsy confirmed that it was uh, one of the last stages of thyroid cancer. So she's going to ha she won't be able to do the radiation. It will be um, taken out. So please pray. And, of course, her biggest concern is that she's going to lose her voice. None of us <laughs> want to lose our voice. And so um, please pray. For and then uh, Kathy Heider asked a uh, prayer for uh, Betty. Uh, Coker, uh, you, right, you remember the Cokers, right? And so please put Betty Coker on your prayer list. She's not in class, but we are including some of these because all of a sudden we have a little bit of room on our prayer sheet, but it is a, a prayer request. Oh, that's what it is, a knee replacement, okay. And Michelle? Okay. That's Michelle Hawes's dad. Lift up 
her dad, and Tim Krzyzewski throughout our day this afternoon as they are in this right now. Uh, Karen? Yes, Karen's procedure, there's a uh, correction here. She's on the back under updated prayer request. Instead of uh, September, it's October. So Karen Hutter is going to have this procedure done. It's a good procedure, but it's an, yes, it's a good thing, but it's dealing with a bad thing. Um, October 27th is the date on that. And then as you look around, Kathy? October 25th. Uh huh. And it's going to be gallbladder surgery. And she's going to be able to maybe enjoy some desserts now. <laughs> That's tough. Lori? You are sir. Okay. Foot surgery coming up. Okay. That's Lori Brady. Foot surgery coming up and traveling. And um, Bev? Okay. Well, I see a trip happening here. <laughs> and that's great. It's good to have Betty and Tom back. Did I see a hand go up over here? Okay, if you have a prayer request, this dear lady with the halo above her head <laughs> will be happy to take them and get them transferred. But right now, I want you to turn to the lady next to you and say, I'm so glad you're in Sunday school. <laughs> and we are happy to have Leslie back. Leslie is back, and praise God. Leslie, you and Greg have been in our daily prayers. Thank you. Oh, oh, good, good. You're just leaving a little bit of glitter everywhere you go. That's right, that's right. And Paulette, yeah, Paulette, this is Charmin, and Charmin has been through thyroid cancer, and so if you want to touch base on that, that always does help. Karen, introduce dear Emily to the class. And it was a joy to see Emily at the teacher's convention, and, but it's, a, it's just wonderful that she can be with us today and with her mom because we know how that feels. We have beautiful missionary cards for your Bible. You will want to pick up one of these. All of our missionaries listed on here, they're right back there, so I just wanted to make mention of that. And did everybody get a sour apple sucker? Raise your hand if you did not get a sour apple sucker. You need one. Is, are there any? Yeah, they're right that, back there by Donna. Now, there are a number of cards going around. Try to, try to just sign your name to them, They're the requests that we talked about. And if you sign them and you're quiet, you get double points, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, on that. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for today. Father, I can't believe it's October. But you write in your word to everything there is a season. Lord, I love this subject matter that we've been talking about because we understand the truth of to everything is a season. But some of those seasons, Lord, can feel like forever, but your truth says it's just a season. And it's the season we need to find your truth and how to deal what we're dealing with as we're going through a waiting season or a hard season or an empty season. Lord, I do thank you that for this season right now in Sunday school, it's a beautiful season. 
And these next 30 minutes, Lord, may you persuade our heart with the truth that you are the God of the seasons and you have a plan for the seasons. And Lord, right now I lift up Michelle's mom and dad. And God, they're right now going through a, a, a hard season, a, a waiting season, a scary season. And Lord, I pray that you would give them the peace that passes all understanding. They live and they love your truth. And Father, I pray that that would envelop them right now. God, I pray for our Diane and our Tim. Our great physician. I pray for your miracle again in touching his body. I pray for Diane as she trusts you with all of her heart. And she leans not on her understanding, but she understands that you are in charge. Father, bathe them both with the supreme fact that you are a good God and a loving God. And you have a plan for this for them. And we'll give you all the praise. Father, bless our hearts now as we open your word. In thy precious name, amen. Ecclesiastes 3.1, I want you to repeat after me, to everything there is a season. You don't convince me at all. First of all, wake up. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season. That was better. Turn to the lady next to you and say, you're in a season. <laughs> and the lady is saying, don't I know it. Your Sunday school... A treat is representative of a season. Now, the reason it's a treat and not a cookie is because I was gone most of the week. So you have a Sunday school treat this morning, and it's representative of this season. It's a sour apple covered in caramel. Covered in. Before I go any further... Happy birthday to Judy and happy birthday to Barb, both birthday girls in this week. So this is a sweet, sweet day and a sweet week, as Barb told me about her celebration. Happy birthday. But so anyways, you have a sour apple covered in delicious, sweet caramel. Mmm. I wish that we could take every sour thing in life and cover it in caramel. I wish I could take my sour attitude and cover it in caramel. I wish I could take my sour burdens and cover it in caramel. I wish I could take some of the sour responsibilities and cover them in caramel, sweet, sweet caramel. And don't we wish we could take that sour person and cover them in caramel. And some of you are thinking, yeah, and I hope it's the kind of caramel that's cooked way too long so it's really hard. And it just covers them with hard caramel. Well, you know, <clears throat> picturing that sweet revenge may feel good for a moment as you think of that sour person. But the irony is I'm the one that gets stuck. I'm the one because it's the wrong covering. Revenge, got your last, got your back, is always the wrong covering, but it always comes so naturally to you and me. So my choice to use caramel-covered carnality to think evil about someone or wish it upon them is what happens to me. It's the wrong covering. So the title for today's lesson is Get God's Covering. Turn to the lady next to you and say, Get God's Covering. 
Get God. God has provided a covering for every moment, every season we are walking in. Um, I love Proverbs 24, 29. It was one of the theme verses in my child-rearing years. It says, say not, I will do so to them as they have done to me. Say not, I will do so to them. As, and, you know, it's all humorous and, and sweet, and we smile at, at all these thoughts. But I tell you what, when somebody has been rotten to you, when somebody has been sour to you, it hits home, and we've got to train and practice not grabbing that natural covering that comes so natural and said, instead get God's covering, get God's covering. In Clint's formative years, um, Clint began to know he was different when I would say he was probably around eight or nine years old. Before that time frame, he was Prince Charming. <laughs> but school, of course, introduced a whole new um, a whole new perspective about who he was because we naturally begin to compare ourselves with others. But at about eight or nine, Clint really was struggling with his limitations. And, um, and one of the things that we worked through was his response to little kids. Clint did not like little kids. Do you know why? They looked at him or pointed at him. Now, little kids, little kids, they are so transparent. They are so curious. So when they see someone that does not look like them, they stare or they point. Now, they're not being unkind. They're just being a little kid. But Clint's response was this. It, and it took me a, a little bit of time to see this child of mine gives such an ugly response to other children. And he, children would come either in the church vestibule or in the mall. The one time, I, the first time I think that I really caught it and knew I had to deal with a problem, we were at Fashion Square Mall. Now, girls, I'm talking 30 years ago. That's when people used to go to the mall, okay? And, and, there, and the mall was filled with people. And, and so Clint was always beside me, and there would come some children... And, and they, would, they would look at Clint. And, of course, children have not been taught how to respond. They don't know how to respond yet. They're just being curious. And Clint would make an ugly face at them. <laughs> and then he'd mutter under his breath, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And I said, Clinton Douglas Jackson, shame on you. And you know what the first thing he said? Not me. Not me. That's the first covering we grab when something sour comes into our bubble. Well, I took Clint over, and I, all of a sudden a light went on because this was happening at church and, and uh, a couple other times, and I thought, Clint wanted to respond to them in an ugly way. Ready? first. It was this self-protection of who he was. So if he could get his slaps in first, he was better. He was bigger. He was more powerful. I sat Clint down. We were at the mall. I sat him down and uh, I said, 
Clint, I want you to learn to smile when you feel like people are looking at you. Now, we're going to practice. And he knew all about practice. We've been practicing since three weeks after he was born, everything. You know, we're going to practice. I'm a little kid. <laughs> and we're in the mall. I'm a little kid. I'm going to look at you. And I want you to smile. Clint, smile at mom. I'm a little kid. <laughs> Clint, that is not a smile. I want you to smile. Keep your lips together and turn those lips up. That was good enough. I said, okay. Now we're going to walk down here and we're going we're gonna to see some kids. And I want you to smile at them. We're going to practice. And we're going to practice because these children need to see you. I know who you are. You are a godly young man. You love Jesus. And you know what these little kids need to see? They need to see Jesus in you. They don't need to see a grump. They don't need to see somebody who's growling at them. They need to see Jesus. Let's practice one more time. That's good. We got up. I deliberately looked for a mother with a stroller and kids. And we walked by. We're getting parallel with them. And, and we're, we're about, you know, as far as Emily and I are. And I said, smile, Clint. Smile, smile. Okay, now, Clint, wave. <laughs> wave. Clint does this. It was a compromise. Those two children, do you know what they did? They smiled back and they waved back. That's the proper covering. And Clint had to learn to grab the correct covering. And so do you and I. So we practiced. We practiced. Now, today, somebody's going to scowl at you. Somebody's going to say something rude. Somebody's going to say something unnecessary, something that totally does not need to be said, but they say it anyways. It is so easy to pick up the wrong covering. Don't let them determine you. Ephesians 4.32, the verse we all know, but the verse we need to practice, be ye kind. Now, let me tell you about the magic. Oh, that's a bad word in Sunday school. Let me tell you about the miracle of this verse, okay? The miracle of be ye kind is this. This is what being kind does for me. We think we're, we're being obedient to God, which we are. We think that we are helping somebody else, which we are. But you know what the biggest miracle, Naomi, is? When I am being kind on purpose, especially to someone who is sour, this is what happens. And be ye kind one to another. Ready? It tenderizes my heart. When I am obedient to God's word in being kind, it keeps my heart tender. It's a miracle because everything sour in this life hardens us. Matter of fact, a person who lives defensive, who will not say, it is me, O oh Lord, like, like Clint, not me, not me, that is our natural first response. We live in denial of our sin. And David said, search me, O oh God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts, God sees that revengeful thought. God sees that hateful thought. God sees that discouraging thought. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then, as I confess that, God leads me. We pray for God's leading all the time with the sour stuff in life. But God says there's a prerequisite here. Let me clean your heart. Let me purify your thoughts. Something I was going to say after that um, that had to do. Oh, I know what it is. David. David, with his terrible sin with Bathsheba, 
Remember when Nathan came and confronted him about his, about his sin? But he did it in a, a story way with, with sheep. And David's first response, David's first response was, that man ought to be killed. That's what he, and then Nathan turned and said, it's you. It's you. And immediately the conviction. When the Holy Spirit presses upon you, by the way, that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and me. One of the God's sweetest gifts in salvation is that he reveals to me my sin. I'm naturally going to excuse it. But when the preaching of the word or the reading of the word or a good godly friend confronts you and me, our prayer needs to be, Lord, search me. And the Holy Spirit will press upon you if this needs to be done. And then 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's such freedom there in spite of the sourness in this life. So practice, practice, practice it this afternoon, practice it at home, start at home first, get excited about the fact, oh, I know what I wanted to say, do you know when, when I don't practice it and when I just keep it bottled up and when I, when I go through sour things and uh, uh, it's just a part of it, do you know a person who does not, who lives in denial. Do you know what happens inside of my heart? Not only does it harden, but there, here, are some, here are some repercussions of living in denial. I become cynical. Mm -hmm. I become um, ready to see only the bad all the time because I'm, I'm suspicious of everybody because they made me like I am. When I live with, that's the, that's the evil twin sister to denial, it's blame. And we've talked about blame in Sunday school. They're, they're twin sisters. But denial comes first, then follows blame. They make me like this. They make me like this. And what happens when I don't confess that wrong thinking I harden my heart, and I become very negative. You ever been around a very negative person? I promise you, when all they are is negative, they are living with unconfessed sin. There's hurt there that they just keep reviewing in their head. They're defensive, they're argumentative, and they're cynical. Yeah, it might be good today, but it's not going to be good tomorrow. That's where they live. It gives you a clue as how to pray for them, but it also gives you the beautiful opportunity of showing God's grace to them by your words, by your encouragement, by your empathy. It is so hard to have empathy toward a sour person. You just want to, what do you want to do? Tell me. <laughs> Vivian's openly honest. Smack them, she said. Yeah, yeah. Or you want to just correct them. You want to just, you just want to tell them how they ought to behave. They're not going to receive it. They have a hardened heart. You know the old adage, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down? They need to see God's grace. This was so beautiful. We were at the 
convention. What a wonderful convention. Oh, evangelist Scott Pauley, son-in-law to Chris, did a just an amazing, powerful, <coughs> blessed session. I, did, I wasn't to the early morning breakfast one with a lot of the preachers, but boy, I tell you what, what a blessing. Um, but anyways, we were at the convention, and um, now for most, for many of the teachers, it's, it was three hours away. It was in Kalamazoo. And so Trina and Daniel and the three children, because I was on grandma duty, okay? I got to be in the preaching sessions, which I loved, and, uh, but basically my responsibility was grandma duty, and I loved it. But mostly, the five grandchildren just hung out in our suite, which was just so much fun. But they got up about 4.30 to get to Kalamazoo by 9. And so all the kids were up and there, and the whole day, we just ran. We, we, we got hot chocolate. We got anything that had the word caramel in it. We just, we were all over the place. We were eating together. I took the kids swimming. They had a huge swimming pool, and the whirlpool was great on Clint's plantar fasciitis. And, and, uh, and then the preaching sessions were just, were just amazing. So the next morning, which would have been Friday morning, Trina and I were going to uh, Tina's session. It was the worst time, 8 a.m. in the morning. We had to be there, you know, quarter till. This is Friday, the day after Thursday exhaustion, which is so good. And so Trina and Autumn walk into the room. And, uh, you know, Trina and I are morning people. Our best time is at 5 in the morning. And, you know, everything goes downhill after that. And, uh, and, and here comes Autumn. And I throw my arms around her and I say, oh, baby, Autumn, how are you? Okay. <laughs> and immediately her wise mama says, Autumn, tell Grandma how you are with a different tone. Autumn looked up at me. Grandma, I'm good. I'm good. And I hugged her and I said, yes, you are. And you know what? You just predetermined your next five minutes because you changed your tone. Honey, it's a miracle that happens. God honors it. You change your tone, and you're going to go in a different direction five minutes from now because you change your tone. I know, Grandma. And I said, we're going to have a wonderful day, you know. <laughs> Apply it to yourself. Apply it to your sweet others if they are your children. Tone is everything. Tone is everything. And that child often doesn't need so much correction as they just need a reminder. How do I learn Christ? Practice, just like Clint, just like me. Practice it every day. You're going to have opportunities this afternoon to put this into practice. Get excited about the fact you get to make a difference. And God is going to do something in your heart because you're practicing Christ. Some of you are in a rotten season, and there is nothing you can do about it. Here's something you can do about it. I can change my tone, and I can honor God, and I can wait to see what God is going to do about it. And he promises he, he will. Ephesians 3.20, I sign every card with it. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that is in me. What kind of power is that? It's the power of speaking the truth. It's the power of responding the truth. It's the power of picking up God's covering instead of Kathy's. 
Uh, if you're taking notes, write down Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Um, here are some other practical ways to deal with sour people or sour situations. Learning Christ. I can teach myself the same way I taught Clint. My sourness is not someone else's fault. Tell the lady next to you it's not her fault. Tell her. <laughs> now, now tell her. It's not because of a circumstance. My sourness is not because of a circumstance. Tell her. Um, God's covering that I get to choose to grab with every person and every circumstance is going to be more than sufficient. His covering, his covering stops the whining. His covering stops the complaining that naturally comes and sours the air we breathe. You know, I'm a, a mantra on this. I, I say it all the time. When your feet touch the floor, get in touch with your father. It is so easy to touch the floor and say, oh, I can't believe what I have to do today. Oh, I can't believe I hurt the way I hurt. Don't say it. Satan is the prince and power of the air, girls. He knows exactly how to attack us when I verbalize my complaining. Instead, get up and say, God, this is the day you've made. You're going to be my sufficiency. Help me to pick up your covering all day long. His fragrance. Um, in the book Radical Gratitude, Ellen Vaughn tells about an incident that took place on the Washington subway system. The crowded train had stalled on an underground track. Oh, that would be scary right there for me. Now, they're used to it, but I mean, stalled underground in New York, okay, um, or Washington, rather. Harried commuters were beside themselves. No one had been speaking to anyone, but now they burst into mutual frenzied bouts of accusation against the drivers, the metro authorities, the federal government, or anyone else they could blame for this terrible inconvenience. Somewhere in the midst of this invective, a woman with a number of bulky shopping bags dropped and shattered a new bottle of perfume. Within a few minutes, the pure, luxurious fragrance had wafted the length of the crowded car. It was as if the fresh smell released people from a dark spell. They breathed in, grinned with pleasure, relaxed, began laughing with each other. Girls, this world is filled with complaining, with sourness, with threats, with cries of despair, and they need a whiff of your godliness. And you get to provide that. We don't need more instruction. We just need to find our voice. So, for instance, when I say I'm unhappy because, that beginning statement determines which covering I grab. So understand this. When you say to yourself, or you say, well, I'm unhappy because, maybe you said that last week. That's the wrong, that is going to predetermine that I am going to pick up my caramel carnal covering. I've already predetermined, I'm unhappy because this shouldn't have happened. This is not right. It's not my turn. When somebody doesn't put something back and I have to search for it, <laughs> it's not my fault. I'm unhappy because. So understand that the words I feed into something I have no control over will either be a stench or a fragrance. We go through our day and there, are, there is so much we cannot control. 
There is so much. This is what I can control. I can control to make what I cannot control a lovely fragrance of Christ or a stench from Kathy. What am I going to choose? This is the reminder. Um, I shared with you in this uh, past summer a lesson concerning my nemesis, uh, Clint's glasses. Clint had to start wearing glasses, you know, before he was two years old. Nobody wants to wear glasses and um, when they're, you know, 18 months old. And Clint literally hated his glasses. And every day I was searching for glasses. And every day, and he would flush them down the toilet, and he would bury them in the plants, and we'd be in the car, and he'd throw them out the window. And the glasses became my nemesis. And it was determining me, me, Kathy, who has been blessed by God with salvation and forgiveness and a wonderful husband and a wonderful church family and three children after being barren. Now this child was turning me into a witch. <laughs> and I blamed Clint. Clint, we will learn this. It was not Clint's fault. It was the wrong covering. When I blame circumstances or people for making me how I am, it's the wrong covering. It keeps me stuck in my home stinking. God's covering of grace begins this way. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee. So with that verse that we all know, now make it practical. Make every word today acceptable to God. Every word that comes out of my mouth, make it acceptable to God. So I, after I was miserable for a little bit of time with this situation, the light bulb finally went on in a prayer time when I was on my knees and I was just crying at how miserable I was. Not this child. Let me show you a better way. Change your words. From I can't believe Clint's lost his glasses again. I can't believe I have to look for Clint's glasses again to this. Ready? Hooray. Hooray. We get to find Clint's glasses. <laughs> We get to find Clint's glasses. I had two-year-old twins. No, they, were, they would have been three-year-olds when, when Clint was about 18 months. Hooray, girls, we get to play a game. We're going to play the game called Find Clint's Glasses. Not only are we going to play a game doing it, but we're going to sing a song. The most productive thing you can do when you are stuck in sourness is sing. It's the last thing you're going to feel like doing. Well, you know what song we picked out? The devil wants everybody grumpy. You can't sing that song without smiling. The devil wants everybody sad. You sing that truth. And then, but Jesus wants everybody. Hey, Jesus does. Jesus says, child, rejoice evermore. Change your words. Change your attitude when you have to deal with something sour. Don't get stuck in it. So start practicing. Here are some practical ways um, that we can choose God's covering of grace. Ever have a cram schedule? You could all raise your hand. And I could say, this schedule makes me irritable. I've got something on my mind and my heart. It's a responsibility that I have to do. And if I, if I dwelt on it the wrong way, I would become very overwhelmed. God says, Kathy, Kathy, 
you think this is impossible, I am the God of what? All things are possible. Take my hand, trust in me, do your best, and we are going to walk through this together. Um, blame. Don't blame. Don't cover up. Get God's covering. Let your children and teenagers hear you give grace to others. This is, this is really productive. Let them hear you give grace to others. Let them see you let another driver in in a traffic jam. Let them see you in action. Let another driver in. Let them hear you give rude people an excuse like, oh, they must be having a really rough day. Let them see God's grace in you on purpose. Let them see you excuse people. Let them see you pray for people. Trina, when an ambulance goes by, automatically, and the children often are, dear Lord, be with that, that dear situation, those dear people. God, I pray they know you, and I pray that if they don't know you, they'll come to know you through this. Every time an ambulance goes by, every time they hear a siren. Do you know what that does to your children? It gives them a grasp, because especially when the children are younger and they're more fearful, a siren would just, it could flip them out, you know. No, 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 no. God's in control. Let's pray. God's in control. Let's pray. Learn that sequence. God's in control. Let's pray. And the God of peace shall keep my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Uh, be careful for nothing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, I had something else on here. Instead of, I have so much to do and I don't know how I'm going to do it. Do you know what those words feed? They feed my fear. They feed my fear. I have this operation coming up, and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. That feeds my fear. Instead, pray God's power. Instead of speaking my carnal carnality, speak my faith, which would be, Lord, I'm in a season that feels impossible. But you've told me you are the God of him. And I, I think of, of Leslie and Greg. They just got on the road to come home, and Greg's mom fell. And they had to turn around and go back. Now, that, what do you do about things you have no control over? You pray. And you speak the, the truth into them. And then you say, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Like Clint. Wave, Clint. <laughs> but in obedience, you know what he got back? He got back smiles and a wave. Because he was living in obedience in the small details you know, it's the little foxes that want to suck all the sweetness out of our day. They want to leave us sour, and they want our day to become more sour. And God says, don't let them do it. I've given you the correct covering. Start practicing excusing people and start at home. Somebody crabby, they probably just need a hug. They don't need a lecture. Um, they need encouragement. They need God's truth. Now, sometimes they do need correction. Like, like Autumn's wrong tone, that, that need to be corrected, but it was done with the right tone. It was done with the right tone. When we correct, don't, don't state their wrong action. In other words, stop being a brat. Don't list their wrong action. Don't list their wrong attitude. Instead, come back, and again, it's tone again. It says, I know you can learn to share. We're going to practice that right now. I know you can do better. I know you can. Um, Tommy, 
Don't call names. Right now, I want you to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And we're going to think up some good names we can say to sister. You know, it's, it's, it puts you on the same team. Isn't that what family is supposed to be? You're on the same team, working for the same cause, the cause of Christ. Think of ways that you can use this lesson this afternoon and get excited about the right covering. We had two amazing speakers at the convention, Scott Pauley and Jeff Redland. Now, Doug was doing all the introductions. If you've ever been responsible for doing introductions, you know the work that goes into that because the introductions are like the appetizer to the grand meal. And we've got 1,400 Christian school teachers in these huge auditoriums. And so Doug had these introductions ready. He found out that Brother Redland's favorite dessert was rhubarb custard pie. Rhubarb, not strawberry, but rhubarb custard pie. And so for the introduction, Doug wanted to present Dr. Redland with his favorite pie. I mean, I hadn't even heard of rhubarb custard pie. And uh, no one, no one, uh, so Doug found this out about him, and um, he started calling some ladies in our church who are pie bakers. And he got Kathy Heider's name. And uh, he called Kathy, and, and now first of all, I was not about to look up on Pinterest rhubarb custard pie and present that pie. That pie had a lot had a lot going for it. I mean, you're talking about this is being presented in front of all these crowds of people. I did not want the responsibility of making a rhubarb custard pie. And and uh, so, anyways, Doug calls Kathy, and uh, Kathy not only knew about rhubarb custard pie. Ready? It was Paul's favorite. Aww. Now get this. It gets even better. You aren't going to believe the rest of this story. So originally, Daniel and Trina were supposed to bring down the pie, but they were traveling in a car with three children and all kinds of luggage. What are the odds of that beautiful, perfect pie getting to a, the Kalamazoo Radisson in one piece with that car? So Pastor Todd was traveling by himself, so he had the responsibility of delivering this important pie. Now... Pastor Todd leaves in plenty of time. It's, a, it's at least a three-hour trip. The main session is at 10 o'clock, so he's going to meet Pastor at 945 in front of, of the uh, huge auditorium place, and um, so, he, so, so Pastor could have it for Redland's introduction. Now, as sour life would have it, <laughs> Pastor Todd gets rerouted. He gets rerouted, and you, you all know about the the traffic and the interchanges and the construction, and he gets rerouted, and he is not going to make it to the convention till 10.30, way past the introduction time. Daniel's even standing out inside of the Radisson for, for Pastor Todd to fly in so he can grab the pie and run it up to the platform for the introduction, but wasn't a prayer, wasn't a chance. Pastor Todd comes in, he's shaking his head, I'm sitting in the vestibule area because Clint's foot was really hurting him, so I wasn't, I was helping out with that. Anyways, Pastor Todd, and I said, Pastor Todd, stop feeling bad. He's the pastor's counting on me. I said, no, 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 no. This is life. 
And this happens to everybody. I know it's happened to me. Now, now you know what? You know what God's going to do? He's going to make it better, Pastor Todd. You wait and see. God's going to make this better. You quit feeling bad about this. He looked at me and he says, Mrs. Jackson, thank you for telling me this. <laughs> this is just sour life. You and I have the opportunity to lighten everybody's load. We get to. We get to share. And what happens is it not only lightened Pastor Todd's load, it lightened my load. I felt bad that the pie wasn't there. It doesn't matter. Pastor Todd did his very best. God has a purpose in it. God has a purpose for sourness. And Pastor Todd had a big smile on his face, and, and I prayed. And I said, Lord, Lord, use this in a better way. Now, ready? Nobody knows about this pie except Todd, Doug, me, Daniel, and Trina. And, of course, Kathy, who made it. Nobody else knows about this pie. Dr. Redlin is up there preaching an impassioned message on Psalm 119. And out of the blue, he starts talking about the pie that only his mother could make. It was a rhubarb custard pie. Not strawberry rhubarb. He says, I can't stand strawberry. It was a rhubarb custard pie. And he went on about this pie. And I'm going, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. So after this wonderful message, of course, Doug gets back up to a dress. But Doug is carrying up in his satchel uh, a, a really nice container, this strawberry, I mean this rhubarb custard pie. He, he walks up to Dr. Redlin and he unzips the pie and he says, Dr. Redlin, you made us taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, something he had some interest. He said, here's your rhubarb custard pie. Dr. Redlin, his mouth just drops right up. <laughs> Everybody in the audience goes, how did that happen? <laughs> How did he have a pie? And, 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 and it was so good. I mean, it gave me goosebumps. But now, but now listen to this, because it, it's, just, it's just so beautiful. And everybody was coming up to say, how did Doug know? How did, you know, how did, I, it was so of the Lord. Does God care about the yes. tiny little sour details in our day? Yes, he does. Can God do something about it? Yes, he can. And when he does, we praise God and we put it in reference for the next time something sour happens. Here is Dr. Redland's note to Kathy, which I will give to you. And he wants, he wants the recipe. It's really cute. My, my mother-in-law's recipe. That's so, but they also want the recipe for the crust. Julie, his wife, what's it? The crust. It melted in my mouth. I need the recipe for that crust. So this is what he writes. Dear Kathy, and he spells your name right. Okay, wow, what a wonderful surprise you provided for me. I love rhubarb pie, but most of the time it is strawberry rhubarb. So sad. He puts a face on there. And rhubarb doesn't grow in Florida where he, he says, I have tried. Your pie was deliciously, absolutely wonderful. There could have been no gift. There could have been no gift make me gratefully, more gratefully received that you could have provided. Thank you so very much for your thoughtfulness and kindness, your friend, Jeff Redlin. Now, here's the rest of the story. As you and 
Oh, yeah, very sour. That, he went on and on about this, this rhubarb cut in his message, you know. So, you know, my mouth was watering. I thought, is there any way I can get a hold of that pie, you know? But, <laughs> but this, is, this is what's part B, or actually part C, to this beautiful scenario about the sour things in life. Yeah, sour. We all know Kathy. We've all been praying for Kathy. Kathy, and I told Dr. Redlin, I said, this lady that made you this pie is a widow because of COVID, and she is going through a hard time, but you would never know it. The morning that Doug called for, to ask her about this pie, you know what she's doing? She's volunteering at the mission. She's restocking the cupboards. She gets a hold of people and prays on purpose. She's counseling others who have walked through the same grief that she has walked through. This is exactly God's plan for the sourness in life. Get excited about the next sour thing or person. Don't go to revenge. Don't want to cover them in hardened caramel. Instead, say, oh, no, God, you have a plan for this, and you are going to use me to live out your plan that others may see you in my good works, in my covering that you have provided for me to use. Dear Father in heaven, God, may we be just so excited about taking your covering. May we become aware of the fact that we so often just do what comes naturally, and it does nothing except make us more sour or make the situation harder. Oh, God, thank you that you provide exactly what we need in every moment, in every season of our day. And may we do it. May we practice it just like Clint. I pray this in thy precious name. Amen.